Soy, the final frontier. I'm Comrade Britain. And I'm Scotty's weird little pal, Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Medea Goes to Jail, our ongoing mission. To explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek movies, both cringe and based, and to boldly go... Where the Romulan drill will bore! Soy Trek the Podcast is here! Soy one half vegan, one half queer! A hundred percent communist! Unless we have a less leftist guest! Patrick and Brisson! Talking, joking, farting, and shitting all about Star Trek. Like our buttholes, the show is Rex. Soy Trek, the podcast is here. So listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Welcome to the bridge. Welcome. Welcome. This is Soy Trek. Welcome. I'm Comrade Britain. And I'm Pat. What's going on, man? <laughs> what's, what's, did you just try to pronounce pistachio and fail pretty wildly? Yeah, pista- yeah pistachio is disguising. Yeah, pistachio is <laughs> This is now a master of disguisey cast. <laughs> that would be a great, yeah, I mean, just like, what is it, the worst <laughs> idea of all time? Oh, no, no, no. No, and we call it... <laughs> the best po- idea? No, no, no. Podcastio Disguisey. <laughs> Your one and only Master Disguise Podcast. We just talk about different aspects of Master Disguise. We just talk about the 9-11 incident every <laughs> yeah, single time. Yeah, yeah. We announce we're going to talk about something else, but then just spend an hour and a half discussing that. Am I not turtly enough for 9-11? <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that is awesome that he was in the turtle disguise while 9-11 was happening, and he was in a prayer circle dressed as the giant turtle. That is very cool. Yeah, but I want to know is he doesn't remember specifically whether or not he was wearing the shell, and I think that's a very big part of it. Oh, it definitely is. Like It can't just be like the face makeup. <laughs> yeah, like, it, has has to be, to be it has to be. It has to be. He's like, he's wearing the shell as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would have, that would I think have been, that's a requirement. If there was a photo of that, that would have been like an iconic image. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like that would have, like, I think I would have had that, like, I would have had like a master painter paint that and then put it on my, actually, I'll, I'll commission that. Yeah, you should do that and then like um, lemon party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm going to, I want to commission a painting of the 9-11 master disguise prayer circle with um, him dressed as the turtle. Turtley Club man, right, right, and like holding like um, like an American flag ribbon in and, one of it, and he's, like hold, a, oh, he's holding Brent Spiner's hand. Oh yeah, he's holding Brent Spiner's <laughs> hand in one hand, and like the other hand, he is like extended to the sky, holding an American flag. Yeah. And then actually, there's just like an eagle flying overhead that's crying. Actually, you know who would be the perfect person to draw this to paint this is uh, John McNaughton. The guy who draws all the super conservative like yeah, paintings. Yeah, like, he would. Yeah. yeah, the guy who does like ripped Trump. Yeah, he, he yeah. does like Trump on a motorcycle, and he mm-hmm. does like um, mm-hmm. he did like he does all the paintings of like of like Obama but burning the Constitution. Right, and like the <laughs> the, the photos of uh, Trump getting his dick sucked by a successful political painter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, uh, no, it's this uh, part of the personal collection. <laughs> <laughs> John, why does that look like? Shut up, shut up, shut up. 
No, his name is Baron. His name is Baron. Trust me. You know what's funny is my parents were really into him. And like one uh-huh. time I was visiting my parents and my dad was like, Patrick, look at this photo. Look at this painting. He's like trying to show it to me as if it would inspire me. Like it was like it was like some paint drawing of like of like uh, Obama standing on the Constitution, <laughs> <laughs> while, while, while like a guy in like chains or something was like on a park bench crying. <laughs> so, it's so, it's so like, good. like do people like him like not 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 get it? Like we should stand on the Constitution. Yeah. The Constitution allowed for slavery. Yeah. For a hundred years. Still allowing for slavery. We literally had to kill a few million men about it. Yeah. In order to resolve the issue of, uh, you know, is slavery okay? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like what, 20% of our male population just like either injured or dead. Mm -hmm. You know, to just solve, is is it okay? And I think we can all agree now, or we should all agree (laughs) now. No, it was never okay. No. So maybe the Constitution, um, written by a bunch of uh, you know racist pedophiles, <clears throat> maybe it's not the best document. Like if if we had a Constitution, that maybe was Obama written, should stand on it. Maybe, <laughs> perhaps. Like like if if we had a bunch of people like uh, Jeffrey Epstein, right, mm-hmm. that wrote a document that like everyone lived by, and we found out they were like you know. A lot of them were like and Jeffrey and Epstein. And, a whole, and a whole bunch of presidents' names on it. So that's basically as good as the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. That's that's a, that's a good point. There have been more presidents' names on the flight logs to Little St. James than there are on, like, actual, like, materially binding, like, legislation in yeah. the last 20 years. That's pretty cool, huh? That's, that's, that's neat. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have ads. Uh, don't want ads? Patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. You get ad-free episodes. You get all the episodes at once. Uh, also, if you're super cool, pay us $5 a month. We mention your name, like Dylan Lansing, Achilles, Jonah Hearn, Shane Sawyer, Jordan Hale, Adam Zendella, Electric Baphomet, Matt McLavish, Nick Savard, David Creating Sites, Cappies, PJ Hale. Uh, they're all cool. They deserve a water bottle. It's getting hotter out there. It's, it's, uh, I, think we're having fall, I think we're having full spring right now. False spring. Yeah, I think it's going to get cold again. False spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a joke for that. But <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a good watch joke. And I'm like, no, no one gets a watch joke. Like, I'd get the watch joke. Yeah. And like, or a thousand or so listeners would be like, I don't understand automatic watch. No one understands. That's a, that's a weird thing that you're into. So that's yeah. like false. Well, yeah, false uh, locks and key. and. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah, exactly (laughs) right. Man, yours is even even worse than mine. Thank you. No. (laughs) Uh, uh, I mean, you didn't save that bit, but you saved me. So I think that's all that matters. I took took one for the team. Time for me to make it worse. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Appreciate it. That's what I keep you around for. (laughs) Put it on the board. Also, if you pay $10 a month, you get full access to my Plex server, the Media Dungeon, with uh, over 15,000 films and over 700 shows, updated daily with all cool, new, and especially old stuff. Once again, that's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. That's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs, which stands for bullshit, but also stands for baby sample, which is not a coincidence. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, what we what we get into this week? Star Trek 2009. We certainly did. I didn't make a theme for it because oh. 
I think I'm done with just making themes for everything. Yeah. It, was, it was a fun thing to be to begin with. But what, what was the song that you were singing before we started? <laughs> you really going to do that to me? <laughs> it could be the theme for Star Trek 2009. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like almost forgetting it now that you asked about it. But I think that's that's my mind like burning the files. Yeah, it's like erase all evidence. <laughs> erase all evidence. There's just, just a bunch of little prints inside, and a little bunch of little prints inside your head, just like putting gasoline just, on the your Just putting gasoline on the paper shredders. <laughs> oh shit! Fuck no, not that way. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I, I, okay, you're gonna have to help me out here. It was like, uh, 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 <laughs> you're gonna have to help me help me out with the melody. I remember I the words. Like, I wanna fuck a horse, but not a real horse. No, 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 no. It's, I want to fuck a, oh yeah, I want to fuck a horse, but not in real life. (laughs) Just in my dreams, I want to fuck a horse, but not in real life. Just in my dreams, I want to fuck a horse, but not in real life. (laughs) Just in my dreams, I want to fuck a horse, but not in real life. (laughs) Just in my dreams. Oh, that was excellent. Yeah, I was waiting for you to come in, maybe do a uh, round or two. Uh, and yeah. I was like trying to give no, you I was, eyes. I was, I was letting you have that solo. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. It was my real like uh, yeah box solo for cellos numbers four. <laughs> so yeah, that was a theme to Star Trek 2009. Oh, uh, <laughs> what was it? <laughs> All right, uh, Star Trek 2009. Uh, this one was released on the eighth of May 2000. 2009 so we're almost at the uh 20 or four, 14th anniversary mm. almost, oh wow yeah almost there next two two weeks from now ish oh yeah yeah it's the end of april dog and yeah. april's only got 30 days damn think about that what day is it it's 27 oh, man i gotta really? pay rent soon <laughs> that's how time works that's how landlords work. You know, you know, actually, uh, I, I found out a great trick to getting out of paying rent. Mm. You um, execute your landlord. Mm. Uh, it was uh, um, uh, Chairman Mao came up with it. Mm. It was pretty, pretty ingenious. I'll see you know what happens next month. What's that? It's going to be May. I was hoping you'd say something insightful about, <laughs> well, May 1st is International Workers' Suffrage oh, Day. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, yeah. But instead, you had to... Uh, <laughs> You had to go with the NSYNC joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, this movie was um, <clears throat> uh, the 727th property in Star Trek released wow. overall. The 11th of 13 Star Trek films so far. Mm. Uh, soon to be 14 when they release the Section 31 movie. Oh, yeah. I guess that technically counts. It's, it's going to be a Star Trek movie, and I don't know if I like that. I mean, if it's if it's good and if it's about like taking down Section 31, okay. I'm, I can get into it. Yeah. We, we need some finality on like closing up that part of the universe. Well, I think like, I think they're probably going to make appearances if they do Star Trek Legacy. Make make a lot of appearances in that. I hope not. But you know what's going to happen. And plus, they established that. <clears throat> Did they establish though they they exist all the way back in um, and during the Disco- uh, originals Discovery timeline? Mm, yeah, I mean they're back in the Discovery timeline. Yeah. But well, so the thing is, they didn't establish when Georgiou went back to. Mm. 
So she could have gone back to any time, and I'm hoping they send her back to, you know, like Star Trek Legacy period. Yeah, the the potential Star Trek Legacy period. So and, that, and now, so that would open up chances for her to make appearances now that she's like a hot commodity. Yeah, right. They can be like, no, we have you, uh, have you signed on contract to be in this many Star Trek things? Yeah, I really <laughs> doubt that they had that much foresight. Yeah, yeah. Or foreskin. I'm pretty sure that's why she got left Discovery to go film uh, everything everywhere all at once. The foreskin? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. What? No, why she left Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I said right before that, the foreskin. Oh, yeah. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) We got quest. What? (laughs) What? What? Uh, I I meant this. Uh, There you go. There you go. (laughs) I don't even know how you can tell everything apart on that. Like, it's just buttons. They're not labeled. No. <laughs> I'm always amazed. Uh, yeah, you can... If it was me, I'd just be hitting a bunch of random You can things. see I have different, like, color... Yeah, but still, I don't know how you remember what all the colors are. I don't know, cause maybe because I'm not a racist? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, for, I, I, it's, val- it's, it's, I value it's, people it's, and their It's sort uh, of like that Simon Says... It, lo- it looks like that Simon Says game, kind of. Oh, the, oh you mean the movie starring... Um, Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah. And um, Dane Cook. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great film. Is that based on the on the game? No. Oh, damn. It's spelled Simon S-E-Z. Oh, uh, okay. It's and the, the really cool thing about it is uh, there's, like, no main person in the movie named Simon. That's awesome. So it's like... What? Do they play Simon Says at all? No. Interesting. Yeah, it's got, like, nothing to do with Simon Says. <laughs> It's very confusing as to why that's the name of the film, but you know what else is confusing? Uh-huh. Not not this film. Star Trek 2009 is not confusing. The eleventh of thirteen Star Trek films. This one was written by uh, Alex Kurtzman. What? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we might know Alex from a little thing called uh, being the executive producer of every every Star Trek property now. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but you know what? He's done fine. He's he's pretty much yeah. 50-50, you know? Yeah. He's like, you know, he's Rick Berman, probably had a bit of a better batting average, but like mm-hmm. Alex Kurtzman, I don't think you can say is like objectively a worse executive producer of everything. Yeah. Like, it seems like, I don't know if he's like totally like really connected to the whole thing. And when I see him and other people in interviews about Star Trek, he never really seems excited, and no one seems excited about him. Mm-hmm. So I think he's kind of just the guy who like controls a lot of money and stuff like that. Yeah, which is a thing. But he seems to be okay with controlling money and making like not the worst possible creative decisions for the entire series as a whole. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, I mean, I feel like you know, I like more of the, most of the Star Trek. Uh, yeah, I like the plur- I mean, yeah, the majority of new Star Trek. Yeah. And, you know, the stuff I'm dissatisfied with, like, I'm not super satisfied with how Discovery has gone the ca- past couple seasons. Yeah. And that's ending, which is fine. I think yeah. it's got to end eventually, right? Yeah, probably Most, make room for the Star Trek Legacy show. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Nothing is an active development for that. Yeah. Um, and another thing, too, is apparently Alex Kurtzman doesn't really want to make another Star Trek show in L.A. 
because mm. it's more expensive. Even though they got the really big tax write-offs from California for the first two seasons, they didn't get one for the third season. Yeah, I always assume that's why everything was filmed in like Toronto and um, mm-hmm. Florida and stuff. <laughs> also, uh, Baltimore was doing that for a while. Like, lot, they were filming a lot of movies in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Like when I lived there, like they like they filmed Live Free Die Hard there, and just and just changed everything. DC signs. <laughs> cool yeah yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's it's interesting yeah. you know uh anyway so it's written by alex kurtzman also written by uh roberto orky orsi 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 uh who was a longtime writer started in the 90s uh working on hercules and jack of all trades oh hells yeah i uh, love jack of all trades yeah and then uh, went on to be one of the main writers for xena for oh. sam raimi after that i love xena mm-hmm. i was actually thinking about doing a xena rewatch Zena's sick. Yeah. yeah. Um, then uh, J, uh, he started working for J.J. Abrams after that uh, on Alias. Mm. And then he wrote uh, all three Trek films. But he was, a, he was a ghost writer, I think, for the third one. But he's, mm. he's got a hand in all three oh, of them. Oh, so he wrote the second one? Yeah. Uh, he also wrote a bunch of stuff for Michael Bay, including two of the Transformers movies. And he also created the series Fringe. Do you know... Um uh, Michael Bay and, and Leonard Nimoy are, are related by marriage. Interesting. Yeah, they're kind of they're relatives by marriage. Hmm. <laughs> do you think they're like? Do you think they're <laughs> married like, to each other? <laughs> do you think their wife? Do you think their wives tasted similar? Yeah. <laughs> huh. Is Michael? Mm. Michael Gay. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> what does that mean? Is that a threat? Is that, that like sound a, very threatening. Is that a homophobic threat <laughs> on the gay Star Trek podcast? <laughs> you better watch your asses, boy, because I'm going to top him. You're wearing a fishnet t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, I'm literally wearing a half fish. It's a fishnet crop top jersey. Thank you very much, yeah, that's Patrick. What it is. I, it's it's a fishnet t-shirt is not nearly gay enough for <laughs> no, me. Okay, enough. like that's that's something a straight person could get away with. No straight person owns this. No, no, not <laughs> no, at all. No, not allowed. <laughs> Call it Michael Gay Michael. and then doing the shotgun. <laughs> So, this movie is directed by J.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. who we know from uh, Lost. The Force Awakens. The Foreskin Awakens. Uh, Super 8. Um, oh, so uh, he the did, Rise, he, of, the he rise of Skywalker. He did Heroes, right? Or am I thinking wrong? That sounds like it could be correct. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> um so, and then this one was produced by J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof, who was his co-producer and then, like, one of the main showrunners for Lost. Mm. Uh, and then the main showrunner for one of my favorite shows of all time, The Leftovers. Mm, never seen it. Oh, it's so fucking good. Highly recommendo. It's, de- it's depressing <laughs> in a good way. We love depressing. Oh, yes, we do, don't we, folks? So, uh, you want to dive right into this bad boy? Let's do it. The year is 2233. The USS Kelvin investigates a lightning storm on the borders of Klingon space, which they soon realize is a black hole. Suddenly, a massive warship emerges from the hole. It is the Narada, and it immediately opens fire on the Kelvin. 
which is uh, the ship, none other than what's his? It's a uh, George Samuel Kirk. Yeah, is serving on. Who is? Guess who's daddy? Uh, uh, James Kirk's. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> ding ding ding. <laughs> you. Uh, this is, is going to be trivia the entire movie. <laughs> See if you remember the movie we just watched um just brit passes me a piece of candy for every, yeah. every right answer i get <laughs> diabetes <laughs> um time to get your foot sawed off <laughs> <laughs> we have to pause in the middle for ads and to check your blood sugar <laughs> uh-oh his, his pupils have dilated <laughs> no i just got you high that's okay i just dosed the nachos they served us before this. oh hells yeah hell yeah <laughs> so the Narada, um, a massive warship, emerges from the void and immediately opens fire on the Kelvin, inflicting heavy damage on the vessel. The Narada ceases fire, and its first officer, Ayale, hails the USS Kelvin. Speaking for its captain, Nero, Ayale demands that the Kelvin's commanding officer, Richard Rubeau, come aboard the Narada via a shuttlecraft. It's like you shall cease operations and mm-hmm. board a shuttlecraft and come over here yourself. Um, yeah, we have Eric Bana as is is Nero. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he states the captain's refusal to do so would be unwise. Mm. Captain Rubeau agrees and hands command of the ship over to his first officer, George Samuel Kirk. Say what? Yeah. Uh, he orders Kirk to wait 15 minutes for his signal or else evacuate his ship, uh, telling him that he is now the captain of the ship. So it's years now. Upon arriving aboard the Narada, Rubeau is taken to Nero, played by Eric Bana. Hells yeah. Uh, and I just noticed on this rewatch, also um, Nero's second in command is played by Clifton Collins Jr., who's in a lot of stuff. Like... You, you, he's like a guy that's like in everything. If you, Clifton Collins is any relation to Clifton Clavin? Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that, that that's the character from Cheers. Oh, yep. No, he he lives in Washington. Cool. <laughs> he lives on uh on the um. <laughs> Upon arriving aboard the Nevada, um, <laughs> Rubu is taken to Nero. Uh, while the crew of the Kelvin monitors his life signs. While Nero remains silent, Ayale interrogates him first about a particular ship, which Rubeau does not recognize, and then about the whereabouts of Ambassador Spock, with whom Rubeau is unfamiliar. Mm. Rubeau, uh, or um, Nero asks Rubeau what the star date is, and he tells him. And uh, it seems that they're actually using, like, regular years here. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because I think he was, like, 22-something-something. Something. He's like, star date? Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Romulans have ended up uh, 150 Earth years in the past, they find out. And uh, of, uh, I don't think I mentioned this, but uh, Nero is a Romulan. Yes. They're they're very and they don't look like conventional Romulans at <laughs> no, all. No, they're kind of all fucked up and like very stylized in like a horror way. Yeah, I mean, they, they not got tribal tattoo faces. So the thing is, they don't look unlike a combination of the um, the Remans mm-hmm. from uh, Nemesis and Shinzon from Nemesis. Yeah, 
which is why I think I actually got Nemesis in Star Trek 2009. The plot's like actually pretty convoluted for quite a long time mm. because they're, they're both just like defeat the giant spaceship plots. Yeah. Uh, the, defeat the giant spaceship controlled by an insane Romulan plot. Mm-hmm. One of them just has, you know, Spock. Yes. That's the only real difference. <laughs> And that's probably why it's so much better, is because it has Spock. If they would have put Spock in Nemesis, probably would have been good. So I think Nero's motivations are very clear. Like they don't go a lot into, like um, they don't they don't make him too complicated of a character, which I think works. True. For this, Whereas Shinzon, like I don't know, Shinzon, like it. You need you need like a like you need like a a, t- a tear tree type thing to figure out like you know just with, like, with Shinzon he just like goes into a blind rage at at some point mm-hmm. and he just has a tantrum which is like it, it always sucks for the plot which is why I hated uh, what episode nine of Picard so much yeah is because Jack Crusher was just like it's tantrum time. <laughs> um, yeah, Eric Bana like since you know this is like the reboot mm-hmm. you know it's more of a focus on the character so they just need like simple revenge yeah type plot and i think eric banna does a great job in that yeah just like, no 100 percent. yeah he's yeah i mean he doesn't get a lot of screen time and when he doesn't it, need when it though yeah, like a good, a good villain backstory. doesn't really need a ton of screen time uh, it explains his backstory and it's like oh yeah that makes sense and he mm-hmm. just keeps moving yeah yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> so uh realizing they will not get the answers they want out of robu he is killed by Nero, and the Narada uh, continues its attack on the Kelvin. Kirk orders the Kelvin to return fire, but as the situation worsens, he realizes that the damage to the Kelvin is compromising the lives and the safety of everybody on board the vessel, and he orders the crew to proceed to the escape pods and shuttles, including his wife, Winona, which is actually not her name. He just calls her that because she's a writer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell she's yeah. ride or die. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Why not a ride or die? Yep. <laughs> uh, but Winona is just about to give birth. Like, she's literally in the process. And the doctor's like, get on the shuttle. Push. Get on. It's like, they at this point in history, they don't have, like, anything to, like, I don't know, maybe induce, pre- it, induce it and labor. Yeah, induce labor earlier so they can get this done with while they're not doing this or like beam it out. Yeah. Beam it out. Do a, a quick cesarean section. Some, I don't know. Like this seems like the most inopportune time and it feels like maybe they should have done yeah, something. Yeah. You think like given the situation, they would just be like C-section, mm. do a quick C-section quickly sew her up and be like okay we need to get the fuck out of here yeah because they're literally like they're not it's not like they're loading her into an ambulance while they're doing this they're loading into her into an escape pod like that has to be jostling all over the place yeah it's yeah yeah but but it's not as dramatic you know true true yeah yeah whatever so i like also like how like the um the uh one of the doctors is like just has giant eyes, ridiculously giant eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just it's like an anime character. Yeah, she looks. Yeah, you kind of wonder if is she an alien species or did they just have like anime eye surgery? Oh yeah, <laughs> like it's just yeah, like they were like, like, uh, like the surgery you can get in the future. They were like that Oli guy, the the D trans dude. Oh, Ollie London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who wanted to uh, transition to become a <laughs> K-pop star? Yeah. yeah, and now now he's very anti-trans. He's. He's, and he's, everyone's he's, like, this has nothing to do with you. You did the weirdest thing. Don't. <laughs> yeah. You're not part of any movement. Yeah, you de- just I'm, did the weirdest thing. I am detransitioning from white to cr- 
from Korean to like what do you? It's like no, you were always white. Yeah, you were never. You're not detransitioning because you can't transition to be another race. Yeah, it's not that difficult of a concept. But you know, but you know, but tramp, but like getting the elective surgery to become a anime character, that's probably not as problematic. No, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like I think. I think it's like I think it'd be the number one surgery because like I mean, you know. I, I feel like a lot of that, like uh, you've seen like bimboification mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of that is kind of like almost anime based. You know, mm -hmm. like the big eyes and the lashes and the mm -hmm. crazy proportions. Mm -hmm. It's very very anime. Yeah, get get your get the hair on your head replaced with giant triangles. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's pretty hot. Yeah, just do do the full anime transition. So, um, Kirk tries to pilot a collision course with the Narada, trying to nine eleven it, uh, <laughs> but the ship's autopilot navigation is offline. So it's. <laughs> Which is weird that he, you would be able to set the autopilot to 911. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. autopilot, 911, jihad mode now. Yeah, <laughs> you think like there would be like safety protocols in place to be like, uh, I cannot do that. And, and so you, you would have to, you would have to do it manually in the anyway. Yeah. Because right. like, yeah, like the ship would be thinking about everyone else on board. Than right, else. right. It seems like a bad thing to automate is, yeah. what I, is all I'm saying. <laughs> so the commander comes to the sad realization that he will need to control the Kelvin himself uh, while crashing it into the ship. So he orders his wife to leave on the shuttle without him. She protests, but Kirk knows that he has no choice but to stay behind and continue the attack in order to protect his wife and child and the others. On the shuttlecraft, Winona Kirk gives birth to a baby boy. Aww. Wow. Also, like, notice they don't have Kirk's brother in this at all. Was Kirk's, was Kirk's brother younger? Does he exist in this universe? I guess not. Yeah, Sam Kirk? Yeah. I, I mean, he definitely exists in the, the... I don't know if he exists in the Kelvin universe. I don't know if they Yeah, because is he younger or older? He's older, I think. Mm. So you think he <laughs> exist. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, as the Kelvin destroys the missiles aimed at the shuttles, Kirk can hear his newborn's cries, realizing that he will never get to meet his son. Just before the Kelvin is about to collide with a Romulan vessel, Kirk asks Winona what name they should give their son. She suggests naming him after George's father, but he laughs off the suggestion, saying that Tiberius is not much of a first name, which is yeah. very true. Who named someone Tiberius? Uh, that actually sounds like the name, those names that the um, the eugenics couple's giving their names. That's true. I'm pretty sure Tiberius, I mean, yeah, that that's a... That's got to be a Roman name, right? Yeah. Like a Latin, yeah. Yeah, they're naming their children like Invictus. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. all this like insane shit. And Eugenicist. So. Yeah. That'd be funny if Kirk is actually like a, like a descendant. Eugenics. Of the, of Eugenics <laughs> Roddenberry. <laughs> uh, all right. That's the, that's the. Write that one down. Yeah, Write that yeah. down. Write yeah, that yeah. down. No, work. Keyboard work. Um, <laughs> got to do something with that. That 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 that's got some meat on it. Yeah, there's a meat on that bone, baby. You Jandics. Uh, that's a uh, darker the Roddenberry, the sweeter the juice on that baby. <laughs> All right. So approximately ten years later, uh, around the early to mid twenty two forties, a young boy 
is seen racing down a dusty open road in an antique Corvette across the open Iowa landscape. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like I was thinking like isn't in farmland. You think like all you think all farming would just kind of be in like hydroponic like stacks or something, not in fields anymore. So, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that because at this point on Earth, because we're assuming this is like when they're actually getting to the like post-scarcity part mm-hmm. of their society. Yeah, because the way I see it, like the one thing they have to be able to guarantee people is land because mm-hmm. that, you know, in a post-scarcity society, that is the one true thing you can't really make more of, mm-hmm. which is basically the reason for Starfleet and the reason for the United Federation of Planets. Well, I also feel place. like how they do that I, is because how they, you know, populated so many other worlds by now. Yeah. So like, so. well, that, that, that's the thing. It's like they've, <laughs> yeah. they've, they've actually branched out to do that. Yeah. But it, you know, you still, some people just want to stay on earth. Yeah. Earth is like the center of everything mm-hmm. for for the federation and you know that's where everyone's heritage is from in the first place too basically mm-hmm. you know even though fucking chakotay wants to talk about the rubber peoples and shit on his planet which you know goes back several generations they come from earth yeah. from a native population on earth mm-hmm. so you know a lot of people want to be on earth and it makes sense yeah. you know it's uh take my life take my land take me where i cannot stand mm. I believe uh, that's in the lyrics to another space show. It's a <laughs> fucking um, Firefly. We there did it. Go. We did it. I did it, everybody. <laughs> Captain Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> Should have been Malcolm Reed. <laughs> Should have. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, enough about Enterprise. Let's get back to no, the Enterprise. More Enterprise is now yeah. an Enterprise podcast. Yeah. We've only done like what one episode enterprise yeah it's a shame because i i like enterprise i do too i mean especially season three and four Mm. i think it's real good yeah they could go to so uh this kid is uh driving down the iowa landscape and um a call comes on his little uh little touch screen there on his his car and uh it's like it's obviously like a stepdad or something. Yeah, played by Greg Grunberg. Yeah. The dude who's in all of J.J. Abrams stuff. Right, right. Yeah. He's always like a dad, right, in J.J. Abrams stuff, basically, or yeah, just a schlubby was, dude. Yeah, he was like a... What was he? He was in... Um, he was in... He was in Force Awakens as like a, like, yeah. just like a resistance guy. Yeah, yeah. And he was, I want to say he was in... Uh, wasn't he in... Ah. He was in Super 8 as a mm-hmm. dad, yeah. I think. And yeah. I want to say it wasn't. And, and did and did JJ Abrams do Heroes? Because he's also in Greg Gutenberg's also in Heroes. I think he did. I'm not sure. And also, Zach, that's where Zachary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you have you have a phone, Patrick. Uh, it's, it's it's charging. Okay. <laughs> you know, I have a whole thing here with with my notes and stuff that I'm not going to go away from because uh, I lose my notes. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, uh, his his dad calls him up and he's like, oh, "That's my fucking car, it's an antique. And as long as you live in my home, you play by my rules." And he turns off the his dad's talking and he's like, "Shut up, stepdad! Shut up, stepdad! I like antique music. You're not the boss of me now." And uh, he puts on uh, fucking Beastie Boys sabotage with his, with his Nokia phone. Yeah, with his Nokia pad phone thing in the car. Like you think, like corporations would be completely abolished by now that's a great point 
like this is a dystopia <laughs> isn't it like i was just like huh i never like, even thought about yeah that I, i'm so used to fucking product placements <laughs> and stuff that like mm. i i don't, didn't that sucks dude yeah that sucks like, that well, they did well, product well, why would they be, why would a corporation need to exist in a post-scarcity uh uh so um, so so the world. one okay how about this it's an antique car uh, okay. So it's from way back in the past when they had corporations uh, like Nokia. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. And this is like the last like fucking <laughs> control pad that'll actually work on a, like a 1972 Corvette or whatever. Okay. I'll, I'll, okay. Yeah. yeah. I explained it. Yeah. JJ Abrams you know, probably. JJ Abrams <laughs> would not be able to explain it if you asked him. He'd be like. Yeah. Because you don't see like the Nokia symbol appear on any other communicators or anything. So. That would be. I would I would have turned it off. You would have put you would have pulled open the drawer. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> just I would have kissed the gun and been like, "Tomorrow, sweet prince, you and me will go to sleep together for the final time." <laughs> um, they don't make that sound. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a sawed off now. Okay, yeah, it's a sawed off. <laughs> um, so. Soon, a policeman on a flying motorbike begins chasing him, ordering him to stop the car. Okay, he's a citizen. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then like his uh, the Corvette's top like flies off, mm. and this kid's just driving and being a badass little kid. Badass little kid. Um, yeah, and, and his friends like thumbing for a ride. Yeah, right. He sees his friend like, and he just like drives past him and, and his friend's like, Whoa, cool. That cool. Like, why is this kid thumbing for a ride? They have transporters. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> Iowa in a post scarcity society and there's like a twelve year old kid that needs to like beg for transport and what's yeah. wrong with this world? Yeah, well maybe he just went out walking or something, but still you think like there would also just be like you would you'd call for an, for a transport from wherever it is or just like here, well, well here, still, here, here okay i'm sorry i need to interrupt here because yeah. here's here's the real argument in a real utopian post-scarcity society nobody would have to live in iowa so there's no <laughs> no way this is a utopia in any sense of the word they just turned iowa into a giant mall or <laughs> it it is a giant yeah. mall have you not been to iowa i think i drove through it once yeah, you yeah. think exactly. You yeah. think you might have, <laughs> and that, that's how I know you've driven through it at least three times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's but it's just funny. Like his little friends just thumb for a ride. It's just, uh, just like you also think like kids would just also just have like you know just think about that, like, what kids have access to now. Like you would have some sort of fucking future bike or something. Right? That'd be amazing if you just pulled up to him and were like, "Hey, baby, you looking for a date?" <laughs> <laughs> gets in the car we just well, what see he one had kid is... blowing another kid <laughs> jj is like yes this is my vision <laughs> that's that's for the private collection <laughs> but I, but he should have had like barney mcfly's flying skateboard or something <laughs> <laughs> like like he should have just been like on the on the flying skateboard or something and flying around that would be cool yeah mm-hmm. so Evading the officer, uh, the boy uh, takes the car towards a quarry, and uh, right at the last minute, he hits the e-brake and jumps out of the car and lets it fly into the quarry <laughs> and explode. It's like, what did he do that? Why, did he was he purposely trying to throw it into the quarry? I have a lot of questions <laughs> about this scene. 
so so I will say this. This scene, like in retrospect, I think I thought it was cool when I was younger. Mm-hmm. This scene sucks. <laughs> it's, this it's, scene, also, yeah, it's really stupid. No, it's really stupid. It's like all it's there to do is establish that like hey, this kid is, like, a maverick and a rebel and also, like, really competent and badass when he's really young. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's because he lost his father. Mm. Or I don't even know what the message is supposed to be here, but it's It's, a, it's a way to to put uh, Beastie Boys sabotage. In the and, first, and like, the, 20 <laughs> minutes of the film. Yeah, because yeah, I know, like, um, sabotage was also, like, the trailer song for the third film. It's in the second film, too. It's a, yeah, I, think it's I, it's, I don't think it was a trailer song, but it's in the second. It's mm-hmm. in all three films. Yeah. <sighs> Woof. <laughs> so, um, the fucking car explodes, and the kid gets up, and the policeman <laughs> stomps down, and uh, he apprehend, apprehends the boy, and he's like, "Identify yourself," and the kid is like. I'm James Tiberius Kirk. Open credits. Motherfucker. Open credits. He just gets air holed by the future cop. <laughs> yeah, he just... <laughs> future cop walks over to him with a pair of handcuffs and just uh, looks at the handcuffs, looks at the boy, just kicks him over the <laughs> yeah. edge. This is Sparta. <laughs> Stop resisting. <laughs> this is Iowa. <laughs> this is... This is Iowa. <laughs> So, um, erstwhile on Vulcan, a young Spock is uh, hanging out in his school, and the the design for the school is really cool. And this is like one of the first things I really like in the movie. I'm pretty sure they reuse this set in Discovery, don't they? I think they do. When they I show think, young Michael Burnham. Yeah, yeah, and it's so the idea is like a school where like all of the kids are kind of in these like. Uh, domes they mm. they look like skateboard pools domes. they're skateboard pools yeah <laughs> yeah but made out of like you know glass and like led screens and stuff and it's like just the way they learn and there's just a bunch of information floating around them and the computer's like what is the square root of 8321 and then like all the little kids are like spouting off nonsense it's uh you know it, it's like a much more advanced version of the computer setup that spock had on uh star trek Four when he was relearning yeah. to be Spock again, mm. uh, which is pretty cool. I, I liked this update and this kind of like explanation of Vulcan culture. Mm-hmm. I thought this was one of the first moments in the movie when I watched it this time where I was like, okay, J.J. Abrams' vision isn't stupid, stupid. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's stupid parts of it, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a serviceable movie. Like, uh, it's definitely better than his uh, his take on Star Star Wars. Oh, definitely. I thought mm-hmm. so. <laughs> um, so Spock uh, gets out of his thing, and uh, there's some some young Vulcan boys who are much bigger than him waiting by there. And Spock is like, uh, "I assume uh, you've prepared new insults for me today." And the other kids are like, oh, "We have," <laughs> and they uh, they bully him a little about his mixed heritage because uh, his dad. Is a Vulcan and his mother Amanda. They say hot as fuck. She is hot as fuck. Uh, so, <laughs> so they call his father a traitor for marrying a human and call his mother a human whore. Mm. And this sets Spock fucking off. And Don't so, talk about my mom. And so he he like he fucking beats the shit out of this other kid. Mm-hmm. Just wails on his fucking face, and it's pretty pretty cool. 
He's on him like a spider monkey. Yeah, we we like that. We mm-hmm. like like justified revenge and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Immediate immediate vengeance. Yeah. And you know, this is this is one of the things like sometimes in life, a lot of times in life, people some people have just never been punched in the face after they've sensed something really dumb. Mhm. And some people need to be punched in the face oh, after yeah. they say something really dumb. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something like something specifically that devalues another human being, their experience, and tries to take away a human being's subjectivity mm-hmm. and objectify them. At that point, they may be beaten yeah. in the face, specifically, you know, to, to, to realize. Hit about the face and chest. To, to don't do that. <laughs> some people, words don't quite work and they have a plan for whatever words you use and in the great words of the not great mike tyson everybody (laughs) has a plan till they get punched in the face Mm -hmm. yeah so (laughs) this kid learns a little lesson yeah forgets his plan yeah don't call anyone's mother a whore (laughs) <laughs> unless she's a hot wife and you're fucking her and she says call me a whore oh yeah then definitely call yeah. someone's mother a whore that's, it, it, that's really do, cool do do consensual whore calling <laughs> consensual <laughs> we'll just say consensual degradation consensual <laughs> degradation otherwise you'll get laughed out of the bathhouse <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he went up for a little consensual whore calling <laughs> out of the bathhouse freak so, uh, so Spock, uh, actually Spock before this notes that, uh, the kids have failed 34 times to invoke an emotional response in him, mm. which is, um, the rule 34, rule 34. Wherever Thank that you. From, yep, yeah. That's exactly where that came from. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so by, uh, by the 35th time it's porn of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally agreed. So, uh, later, Spock is gently admonished by his father, Sarek, mm-hmm. who is disappointed at his son's lack of emotional control. And I got to say, the Sarek in this movie, least favorite Sarek, hands down. Yeah, he sucks. I don't like the Sarek at all. He's yeah. boring. <laughs> um, I think they only got him because he nominally looks like Leonard Nimoy a little. I guess, but you, like he has the you, same you, kind of like weird long You face. want someone who looks more like Sarek in the, in the Star Trek films. Yeah. And they, they actually did that with the new Sarek who's in, like, Discovery and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually like that guy a lot. Yeah, he does a great job. Yeah, that guy is a really good Sarek. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, this guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, this Sarek is disappointed at Spock's lack of emotional control. Spock suggests that his father wants him to be fully Vulcan, and yet Sarek married a human woman, he says. Sarek coldly replies that... It was the logical choice, as his duties as ambassador to Earth require him to understand and observe human behavior and e human pussy. Gotta know how they taste. (laughs) (laughs) Spock's like, what does that have to do with anything? He's like, you shut your mouth, son. It has everything to do with it. (laughs) You'll learn. You'll 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 know when you're older. Yeah. Trust me. Trust me, little virgin boy. Once you get some pussy, you know. Once you once you get that human pussy, mm, mm. <laughs> never go back. No, it's like Vulcan <laughs> pussy by comparison. It's like fucking sandpaper in your hand, man. It's, oh my god. Well, I mean, like they have mentioned that Vulcans did come from a cat-like people. They came. Yeah, came from a cat-like people at some point. So, mm-hmm. 
like you have to imagine that they just have like um like the well, like Vulcans have barbed dicks. I have to imagine that. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a break real quick. <laughs> Something's just come up. <laughs> it's going to come. <laughs> so, um, Sarek tells his son, Spock, you are fully capable of deciding your own destiny. The question you face is, which path will you choose? This is something only you can decide. Which way, Western Spock? Yeah, right. Yeah. Which way would you go if you were Spock? Mm, I would definitely join Starfleet. Oh, I was okay. I was saying like, which way would you go? I'd be bi- bisexual. Oh, Spock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, feel yeah, you, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's what that is the way that Spock goes in the movie, and the and it can't canonically. Canonically, I mean, yeah. yeah. According to I think Gene Roddenberry, basically, like yeah. Spock. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like in, um, you know, time, time of muck. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and Kirk. Maybe a little bit. Oh, yeah. Maybe a lot bit. A lot bit. And maybe forever a bit. <laughs> maybe don't leave me, Spock. I miss you. <laughs> maybe never leave my arms, lover. Yeah, they had a Spock baby. Maybe I want to be stuck inside <laughs> you for eternity <laughs> with my barbed cat dick. Maybe they can't make enough lube for me to express the way I feel about you, boy. Good lord. <laughs> the lord's got nothing to do with this. God's turned his eyes. We're all alone now. The Bible says don't. Your soul is not saved. You're, we're in that special place called God's blind spot. <laughs> Where anything goes. And you know, God drives an early 2000 Honda Accord, <laughs> so there's a pretty big fucking blind spot. <laughs> he does have a Nokia phone playing the Beastie Boys, though. <laughs> so we'll be in that car a long time. As long as stepdad doesn't call. <laughs> Wait, who is who's God's stepdad? Stepdad, I'm stuck in the Honda Accord. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? No. We're going off the rails. Cool. <laughs> so, many years later, uh, we see Spock once again, this time much older and with presumably a much bigger penis. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's. The end of the movie. <laughs> it's kind of like Vulcans are kind of like you know like human children. Where, you know human children uh-huh. like they have the same eyes their entire lives. Right, right. Uh, Vulcans have the same size penis their entire from from birth. That sucks. <laughs> from birth. That sucks. <laughs> like we're born with our eyes the the, the same the, the the size will be for their our entire <laughs> lives. They're born with their dicks the size. <laughs> Spock's like, uh, what do you? What do you mean, Nurse Chapel? A, a baby dick? Aren't all dicks, by definition, a baby dick? <laughs> or that'd be funny. It's just like really huge <laughs> on the baby. <laughs> it's like some babies come out with a real small one, and it just remains small. And some some babies just come out with a like a fucking dick as big adult, as one of their legs. Adult man, adult man <laughs> just just an adult. Man. It's all veiny and shit. 
<laughs> the whole baby's smooth, but it's just got a big, veiny, hairy cock. <laughs> they have a little cap for it so it doesn't get cold. <laughs> just like they put on the hat in their heads. <laughs> they have to uh, they have to put the baby on on its back because otherwise it'll, it'll just like <laughs> lift Which itself up will, and dip over. Need those extra large diapers. <laughs> the ones with the extra extra room in the front, so so the dick may have purchase. <laughs> Can sit there comfortably. Uh, so. Many years later, Spock is conflicted about whether to participate in the Kolinar, the Vulcan ritual aimed at purging all vestigial emotions. <coughs> he talks to his mother, Amanda Grayson. Mm. More like Amanda Gayson. Because <laughs> her son's gay. <laughs> Got him! Um, <laughs> who tells him that she will always be proud of him, no matter what he decides. And he's like, I've decided, Mom. Gay. <laughs> Later, you think, you think like the Colinar is just like is just like watching a bunch of like Western films or something, just like <laughs> just just being super repressive. Like it's like just get lectured to by a Protestant like father. <laughs> just, like, the Colinar is just like uh, all, uh, it's just watching like um, uh, Deadpool and <laughs> uh, American Psycho. A yeah. fight club. It's like sit, sitting in the same room with your dad and not saying a single word to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have passed. <laughs> you did not talk about your feelings. <laughs> yeah. Man, Worf would pass that with flying yeah. colors. Yeah, so good. Yeah, Alexander would, would yeah, because like, like, um, it's like Alexander, your father didn't even show up to the colonar. <laughs> you win. <laughs> You now, uh, you, you you rule Klingon now. You're the, <laughs> yeah. you're the new emperor, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it works, but you uh, you just got the worst dad. We're yeah. sorry. <laughs> so, later, Spock stands before a committee on Vulcan. The committee informs him um, of his acceptance to the Vulcan Science Academy and commends his accomplishments despite the disadvantage of being half-human. And the uh, leader, uh, the head guy of the Vulcan science academy is played by the guy who was the uh prison warden and star trek six cool yeah hell yeah um so uh, he commends uh him on his accomplishments despite him being half human or his dis or his disability or his disadvantage yeah. yeah in response to yet another underhanded insult to his heritage spark declines the offer of admission stating that he has decided to enter starfleet academy instead the committee is shocked um, because they're into that. That's their fetish. They like the, the cattle prod things. And then he's like, shocked? Isn't that an emotion? And they, all, <laughs> <laughs> and they all take out guns and shoot themselves. Yes, they all, we have all failed Yeah, They all open the drawer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn it! We didn't purge our emotions enough. <laughs> the drawer just automatically opens for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you have ten, nine, eight... <laughs> <laughs> um, so the committee is shocked uh, as the offer of admission to the Vulcan Science Academy is one that no Vulcan has ever turned down to which Spock replies that as he isn't a real Vulcan that their statement remains accurate 
which is a pretty sick burn mm. for yeah what they what they just told them. So Spark thanks the council, and with a tinge of anger in his voice, tells the committee to live long and prosper. Suck my dick. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, he should have been like peace and long dong, motherfuckers. <laughs> Suck it on the way out. Don't let the door hit you where the goods. Vulcan God split you. The Vulcan God, that one. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Logic. Unless they have, unless they don't have butt cracks. No, the they're the Vulcan God is logic. You know the the biracial rapper. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be funny if, you, if they just have like sort of like uh like Jesus paintings, but it's like of logic all in their houses. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, yeah, they pray, pray to it every, every so often. So um, around the same time, we're uh, around 2255 now in a bar in Iowa, which is a great location. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, why would why would anyone be there? No idea. So a young academy cadet named Ahura meets up with some friends. And while she's ordering some drinks, someone leans over and starts trying to talk to her and buy her a drink. And it is none other than a young James Tiberius Kirk. And he introduces himself to her and offers to buy her a drink. Um, his attempts at flirting with her, however, are unsuccessful, and the situation escalates when three Starfleet recruits led by Hendorf intervene and end up in a fight in which Kirk is badly beaten. And, um, you know, it's your standard action movie fair fight. Mm. It's whatever. A bunch of, he has the upper hand and then three people like team up on him and beat him. Yeah. A bunch of dudes that look like they would have, um, uh, red shirts lives matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I do like the reoccurrence as sort of like a minor villain almost. Yeah, yeah, they're like the bullies. They're kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, they, he shows up later in like a security capacity. Yeah. So, uh, fortunately, Captain Christopher Pike, unfortunately not played by Anson Mount here, steps in. I like Bruce Greenwood, though. He's fine. Yeah. He's, he's no Anson Mount. No, he's not. Yeah. He does not have the, um, the smoldering sex appeal. Who does? Yeah. Who does? Besides Very Jonathan Frakes. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about it and like, Anton Mount does kind of have, I feel like, a similar sexiness to Jonathan Frakes, which is incredibly rare. And I think it's good that we've never seen them in the same room together, because I think mm. like there would be some sort of like like uh, if they if they had if they had touched hands or touched dicks, like there would be some sort of singularity that would. Well, happen. I mean, Frakes has directed an episode of Strange. But I think he did it. But I think he did it from the safety of another room through video because he knew like a, right. a singularity would happen if they uh -huh. if they had touched. A singularity would happen because like he can't be put, a singularity. Yeah, singularity uh -huh. where you can't have two extremely sexy men in one room right, together right. because then like it collapses on itself. Yeah, you've never been to a gay bar, have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, there are spaces where there are more than one attractive man at one time, right? <laughs> Besides my house. <laughs> well, I've never been to it. <laughs> Maybe that's why people keep me around. So just keep that singularity from happening. <laughs> he's, he's our safety. <laughs> he's the safety. We need a barrier. <laughs> hey, guys. Well, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> oh, my God. He's, we're safe as ever. 
<laughs> we got we got the Sasquatch hillbilly here. <laughs> so uh, fortunately, Captain Christopher Pike steps in and ends the fight, ordering all cadets inside the bar to step outside. Uh, Pike, who is very familiar with Kirk's tragic past and the accomplishment of his father, having written his academy dissertation about the Kelvin, sits down with him, trying to talk some sense into the rebellious young man by trying to persuade him to join Starfleet. Which is a, I mean, his whole thing is like, uh, if you're half the, if you're half the fucking man your dad was, Starfleet would be great to have you. Mm-hmm. And he says some shit like, uh, you could have your own, your own. You could be an officer in four years and have your own ship in eight. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to promise someone. He's like, I, I don't know if I'd trust a 30-year-old person. Well, that's how, well, you know, that's kind of like a sort of like talk they give you in like military. Right. Like right recruitment right. centers are like, yeah, oh, yeah. No one does that. Like, yeah. yeah it, I mean, it's a pyramid scheme just yeah. like everything else. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you think you're going to be a general? Like. We we have what like maybe like five dozen active generals at any time, yeah. and that's out of two million active service members. It's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's not feasible, really. No. You're not gonna get there. Mm-hmm. But I, but I think what also we, we I wish we fa- learned what exactly Kirk was doing right now mm-hmm. because what is, because it goes like so far like all we all we see him really doing is like getting drunk in bars in Iowa like it'd be funny to know what exactly like job or like thing that he was doing before joining Starfleet this is post scarcity so it's yeah just like what is he just doing just hanging out yeah he's getting drunk in Iowa yeah <laughs> so he does all day <laughs> what it, I mean he's probably going to like holographic slipknot <laughs> concerts in Iowa oh yeah and, um Probably holographic shinedown concerts in Iowa. Going to the corn fair. Yeah, K O R N. That is. <laughs> corn, the uh, brains of corn are, are preserved and project holographic versions of themselves. Are you going to corn fair? <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready to go to the corn fair? <laughs> so, Pike, who is familiar with Kirk's tragic past, in the accomplishment of his father. Uh, yeah, we already got that. So Pike firmly believes uh-huh. that with Kirk's aptitude, he can do more with himself than get into bar fights and be the only genius level repeat offender in the Midwest. Yeah, is that, is that all he's doing is being a cr- criminal? <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. This doesn't happen, and this will never happen to anybody ever because there are an incredibly large amount of smart people in jail. Mm. And although like lower IQs do like correlate with being in jail, I mean, you know, there's, you know, at any time, 2% of the entire population of our country is in jail. Mm. And, you know, 2% of any of our people, you're going to get a ton of smart people in there. So, um, I don't know. There's a lot more than one genius level repeat offender in the Midwest. You got Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> Come on. Like, I, I kind of like go. I want to imagine that he's kind of sort of in like um, doing sort of like the um, uh, what were they? What, what were they called? Uh, the guys who rode around the general, like oh the, the the Duke the Duke boys. Oh, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, whatever he was doing, sort of like a Dukes of Hazard type thing in, in uh, Iowa. Oh yeah, just. <laughs> Yeah, or or like, uh, ooh, he's, he's I, like, how about like Smokey like and the Bandit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like bootlegging and stuff, and he's uh, like, you don't need to bootleg. What are you doing? He's just making corn out. We got synthahol. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? 
It's, it doesn't it doesn't kill you like alcohol does. The killing you is what feels good. Shut up. Yeah. Like they, he was able to like salvage that car and he just painted a, a Confederate flag on it for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just bootlegging. The, the Iowa's not even in the South. Shut up. It's going to rise again. <laughs> That's one thing I noticed when I moved to Washington State. You know, a state that's like furthest north, <laughs> and and also just also on the different coast from the you, from the American you, South. You want to talk? You want to talk that? Alaska has oh, more yeah. Confederate flags per capita than pretty much anywhere I've seen in the yeah. South. <laughs> I mean, like rural Tennessee, more Confederate flags, but Alaska almost as many. Yeah, it's like you look around. Like when I moved to Bremerton, like when I first moved out here, I was just like, "Wow, everyone has a Confederate flag." But this is the oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, it's a racism thing. Yeah, it's like Alaska wasn't even a state until what ninety five years after the end of the Confederacy. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, what are you celebrating? Yeah, what the? That doesn't make any sense on any level. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so. <clears throat> Uh, Kirk doesn't want to hear it and laughs about the idea of joining Starfleet. Pike ends the conversation with a reminder that Kirk's father saved 800 lives in the course of just 12 minutes of command and challenges Kirk to do better. Yeah. Yeah. He should. And he was like, well, I don't know. I've ended one life after one minute of sex. So that's, uh, I don't know. I could do that 800 more how, times how, if you want. How many How many sperms are there? <laughs> I just dump them right on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Blow them on a back. Yeah. <laughs> just <kidding>. Spock's back. <laughs> mm. So early the next day, Kirk heads to Riverside Shipyard on his motorcycle where the USS Enterprise is under construction. Pike is surprised to see Kirk turn up to join the new recruits. The Enterprise is being in construction? Mm-hmm. Like you, thought, you think like it would be being made in... Um, a space talk. Yeah, in Mars. You'd think so. Yeah. But not here. Hmm. Um, and I guess that's why so many people are in Iowa is they have a space talk there. And there's nothing but room. Why it's in Iowa, I have no idea since you want to launch things as close to the equator as possible. Always. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess at this point, fuel doesn't really matter since they yeah. have ba- basically like a, a fish, a, a, you know, fission source. Yeah. But there is lots of room. Just there's. I mean, do we do we consider um, the antimatter like dilithium separation and that reaction? Do we consider that like cold fusion or fission or what? What? I mean, have, has any science? Uh, I guess a scientist <laughs> has probably looked into mm. that and classified it as something i don't i don't really care actually <laughs> let's stop that uh, <laughs> i'm sure larry nemesek has some kind of podcast on this oh, he's yeah. the tech guy let mm-hmm. him let him take care of it all right um <clears throat> so kirk doesn't want to hear it and laughs at the idea of joining starfleet oh yeah we already got that so early the next day kirk heads to riverside shipyard on his motorcycle where the uss enterprise <clears throat> is under construction pike is surprised to see him turn up uh, and before boarding the shuttle uh bardeen kirk gives away his motorcycle to some guy who's like hey nice ride mm. and he's like hey it's yours now <laughs> the guy's like <laughs> um yeah it's like well i already have mine so how am i gonna get this home <laughs> yes <laughs> very good question 
Um, so then Kirk smugly tells Pike that he'll graduate in three years instead of four. Mm. I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but okay. Um, on well, Chekhov <laughs> graduated pretty early, I guess. Like he's mm-hmm. like 17 in this. True. Yeah. But uh, in Russia, they make you go to school to college at, at, at like nine years old. Oh yeah, he's like 30 in Russian years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Russians age much much faster. They do. Like, you know, he, he looks young here, but he's already been working full time for at least half of his life. Yeah. So Yeah, he's 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 already got like he's already got like a pack a day habit. Yeah, and the and the black lung yeah. and back problems. <laughs> so, yes, and and yes. he's forklift certified. And which he is, has five kids. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, this fucking second job, I'll tell you, it fucking sucks my dick. But I gotta keep food on the table. (laughs) This fucking wife, you know, nag, 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 nag. (laughs) We've been married 35 years. (laughs) 35 (laughs) Russian years. (laughs) Which is actually just two. (laughs) Two human years. (laughs) You see, Russia goes around the sun much faster than the rest of the world. That's why we get so little sunlight. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's why we sell cigarettes to children. That's why it's so, uh, so very difficult to tan our balls. <laughs> That's why we die so young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, don't get the, they don't get the proper vitamin D where it's needed most. In their balls. In their exactly. balls. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a virility. Yeah, the balls, the balls act as a kind of like a, like a saucer. Like like something that you know receiver that collect can collect the sun like most efficiently. Right, you, right. You just like pull the you stretch the the, the ball skin out taut, and it covers mm-hmm. more surface area. Sure, I've I've actually heard it's like a a two stage filter. Um, uh-huh. You know, especially one that's more like sand and charcoal, mm-hmm. where the uh, the top part will uh, filter out the the larger particulate matter, and then obviously mm. the sand at the bottom. Oh, excellent! Does the smaller stuff? Oh yeah, that's um, where it goes in pure. So you just get that pure vitamin D. Precisely. <laughs> That's why it's called vitamin D because you wash it because then it powers the dick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and because dick is the proper scientific term for penis. Yes. Penis is slang. Mm-hmm. This is a slang that doctors use. We got it back. It's that doctor slang. Yeah. Everyone thinks penis is the medical term. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we start calling medical terms doctor slang. <laughs> oh, that's just doctor slang. Yeah. Like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. They're like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I believe this is prolapsed, Britain. And I'll be like, prolapse? What kind of doctor slang is that? I got the pink sock. I got the pink sock. <laughs> <laughs> My walls fell out. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> My wind sock is just taking a vacation outdoors to say hello. Uh oh, wind picked up. <laughs> Got storm on the horizon. It stings. <laughs> feel a tingle in the in the pink sock. I feel a I feel a high pressure system coming on. <laughs> hey, you guys going to the pink sock hop later? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the hop. Let's go to the hop. The pink sock hop. <laughs> I wanna fuck a horse, <laughs> but not a real one. Only in my dreams. Gonna give me a pink sock. <laughs> Uh, what's happening? <laughs> um, so, on the recruit shuttle, um, Kirk meets none other than Leonard McCoy, mm-hmm. 
mm. who tells him he's recently divorced and his wife took everything but his bones. Whoa! <clears throat> I don't like this explanation. I don't like this at all. I hate yeah. this because effect. Because you originally think like it started because like, you know, like Star Trek, the original series got started when pretty much like TV shows were dominated by Westerns. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and it, so, it was a Western in space. Yeah, and and so they what they call the Doctors, Sawbones. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that that kind of made sense. That's right. why he was called Bones, not like, she left me with nothing but my bones. Yeah, it, it would have made, like, way more sense if he's like, I'm just trying to fuck everything in Starfleet <laughs> Academy. He's like, man, you, you're just trying to bone, aren't you? And he's like... Trying to bone, trying to bones, <laughs> plural dumbass. <laughs> if it's got a hole in a heartbeat, <laughs> I'm there. You know what? It's getting the bone. Even if it doesn't have a heartbeat, that's why I'm a doctor. <laughs> Even if it doesn't have a hole, <laughs> I'll make one. <laughs> Scalpel, please, nurse. <laughs> why do you think I became a doctor? <laughs> There's a thing called a stoma. It's a surgical hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surgical hole. Want a stick in my pole? <laughs> Yo, I hope that something's got rent control. What was that line in the song? Oh, oh uh, I hope your asshole's got rent, got birth control. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that's a great line. Someone's got birth control. <laughs> uh, good time. Well, yeah, still, but it's a surgical hole. I'm gonna stick in my pole. I hope your asshole's got birth control. It's a, it's a good, good rap. It's good a good rap. Rap we did like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, uh, <clears throat> McCoy is now bones because his wife took everything but his bones. Yeah. What? Um, stick the dog. Yep. The two sherry drink as the shuttlecraft leaves for the academy in San Francisco. The Gay Academy. <laughs> um, you know what? That's a nice spot for us to have a drink while going to Gay Academy. <clears throat> so we're going to take a little breaky poo, and we'll be back in 90 seconds after a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Hey, what? Hey, we're back. Right. Patreon.com slash dumb idiot BS for ad-free episodes, you sons of bitches. Three years later. The Narada, the Romulan ship we mm. might remember, is waiting in an unknown part of space. Nero is called to the bridge by A.L. Suddenly, a black hole temporal disturbance appears, and a small starship flies out of the anomaly. Mm-hmm. Nero recognizes and welcomes the appearance of Ambassador Spock and orders the ship to be captured. Meanwhile, it's Starfleet Academy, not the upcoming show, but the actual Starfleet <laughs> Academy in 2245 or whatever. Mm. Kirk is telling McCoy that he is taking the Kobayashi Maru test again the next day and is certain he will pass it this time. Bones McCoy is shocked at Kirk's confidence as no one has ever passed the test, much less repeated it. However, yeah, also it's like that I feel like trying to win it. Uh, like, and also being able to take it multiple times defeats the whole purpose. It does, and also taking it multiple times is cringe. <laughs> Very cringe. Yeah, it's, it's just so try-hardy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, it's, it, like, at the, after the first time, you should have realized the point of the test. Mm. <laughs> Someone should have explained it to you. Right, and honestly, like, <clears throat> using this again in Star Trek lore, I don't think they really needed to do it. No. 
because they've talked about it so extensively in TOS and the TOS movies mm-hmm. and like extended lore and everything that it's like. Plus, I like the like, when he just when he talks about it in um and the and and uh the third movie. Yeah, like about just talking about it. it's fine. Like yeah, like imagining it seemed way more fun. Right, right. <laughs> like just spelling it out is kind of like eh, okay. Like we know that that's part of lore, but did it and plus need it, you, to be? As you would have imagined, like. Yeah, he did it on his first try. He heard that it's an un- unwinnable mm-hmm. test, right? Because like, well, because the, the point of the test is to fail. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he was been like, well, not me. <laughs> and then like, yeah, then hacked it. So hacked the planet. He hacked the planet. Uh, Kirk is convinced that he will nail the test and leaves to study, which for him means uh, cheat. Yeah, to, to, <laughs> to go and uh, get in his sheets with an uh, Orion cadet named Goliath in her dorm room. He's studying biology. <laughs> with his tongue. <laughs> Don't know what that sound was. <laughs> Whatever that entailed, <laughs> I'm interested. That's <laughs> uh, what an Orion butthole sounds like. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it'd, be, it'd be farting. It'd be farting. It'd be farting a little yeah. bit. So, um, <laughs> he's mortified to find uh, that her roommate is none other than Natoya Ahura. Mm-hmm. Un, uh, undressing down to her underwear, she describes to Galea uh, decoding Klingon transmissions about 47 battlecruisers destroyed near a prison planet. She hears him breathing, however, and eventually discovers him and kicks him out. And he's all surprised, like, you could hear me breathing? <laughs> um, it's it's all right. Like, in retrospect, I think I, I found this, like, way funnier when I was younger. And this time I'm like, eh. Yeah. It's all right. It did, seem, right. it did seem way hornier, also when you're younger. Yeah, it did. Now I'm like, I'm. we are far hornier in the Star Trek universe than this mm-hmm. film could ever even hope to achieve. <laughs> like, like, the things we have said, the noise that I just make is more profane than anything they could put in a rated R film, trust me. Like, the images I was conjuring in my head when I was making mm-hmm. that sound, that- be- beyond pornographic. That, that it can never be put to film because you would be instantly put in jail. No, it's like <laughs> fucking a horse in real life and not just yeah. in your dreams. <laughs> like would, the opposite of the song. You would be put into a concrete hole and forgotten about. <laughs> concrete hole, rock and roll. <laughs> so the next day, uh, Kirk, Bones McCoy, Ahura, and a few other Starfleet recruits are in the Kobayashi Maru simulation test on Kirk's third attempt. So it's not just once, not just twice. This is the third time he's doing it, which after the first time, it's cringe. Mm-hmm. The third time, you're a loser. Yeah. Don't do not do this. So Kirk takes a comically casual approach to the test, uh, including eating an apple while he's performing it. Um Instead of, like, everything falling apart, everything goes as planned, and he destroys all the uh, Romulan vessels trying to defeat them. Or, sorry, the Klingon vessels trying to defeat them, uh, and... Yeah, and I guess, like, like people pointed out, like, <laughs> uh, Kirk was eating an apple when he told the story, mm-hmm. and, uh, and season, th- and, uh, and oh, uh, maybe third, the third movie, and that's why he's eating But also then, but I guess J.J. Abrams said, like, 
he didn't even think about that <laughs> when when filming the scene. He just thinks people look really cocky when they're eating an apple. Hmm. <laughs> that's a. I mean, I guess they do, but it's like I don't know. That's a. That's a weird, dumb thing for a filmmaker to think and just keep putting it <laughs> in his media. Is like. Because then that, like, has the broader culture associate apples with being cocky, mm -hmm. which is a weird thing. Like, why, why are you doing that with your art? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, and I guess I get it. Like, it's a cultural symbol. At the same time, like, you're, there's going to be way too many people reading into that who are, uh, you know, fucking loons who are like, see, what he's doing is he's breaking the rules, and and that's why he's eating the forbidden fruit, mm. see? Because you see, you it's see like Kirk. Yeah, 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 Kirk. Kirk, the Kobayashi Maru. See, the, see, the Garden of Eden was a test, right? A test that may not have mm. been winnable. Right, 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 yeah. right. Oh, but because yeah. God programmed it, right, right. So would what, right, right. Oh yeah, he's got the forbidden knowledge because he, aliens. He, he he knows that the way to win is cheating, and that's the forbidden knowledge. And cheating on his wife. Cheating on his wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting some strange. Yeah. He never felt so good. <laughs> I'm I'm so alone. <laughs> I'm married, but I'm so alone. So alone. Um, so the next day, uh, they're doing the third attempt. Kirk uh, is funny about it. Mm. Blows up the Klingon ships, and the shields are good, and the ships are destroyed. From above the simulator room, a technician asks how Kirk was able to beat the test. And uh, Spock is up there, and he's like, um, uh, I think the, the medical terminology is he goes, uh, uh? And, um, yeah, so... Um, during an official inquiry uh, in the, like, and I don't know why they're doing this, but they're doing this in full public. Like, they're doing this in an mm -hmm. auditorium with, like, every single Starfleet cadet there. Mm. They're, like, holding court for for Kirk and, like, judging him. Yeah, it could be kind of, like, just, like... Um like public humili humiliation. That doesn't seem like a, a thing that Starfleet should be doing because no. they have like ideals and whatever. Uh, like public humiliation should be maybe against Starfleet ideals. Yeah, yeah, you think it like it would be a, but it's not as as uh, cinematic. But yeah, having like it, was, it would it should have been like a closed, um, like court <laughs> or mm -hmm. like or like so just like. And like a room somewhere with just like a table and chairs where they're true, discussing this. True, so he's, but he's being represented by his lawyer. And true, then, but this this court is being run other by Medea. Medea, the the uh, this is the courtroom of a mad black woman. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, Tyler Perry plays Admiral Richard Barnett, who is like basically uh, he's the presiding judge. It would have been so case. awesome if he was playing his Medea character. That would be so good, honestly. <laughs> like, or, I, or honestly. If he played Uhura <laughs> in drag. Yeah, Medea playing Uhura, yeah. God, that would be so confusing <laughs> yeah. on so many levels. So see, what's happening is my character, Medea, is an actor in the real world, and 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 Medea was cast as Uhura in this other film, and just be like, I'm a black man playing a black woman playing a younger black woman. <laughs> <laughs> what is so hard to understand what's happening here? <laughs> just has gray hair and still, and still wearing the granny dress. <laughs> and she just like starts dancing, and like people start clapping, and they're like, "Where's the clapping coming from?" It's, it's a play, honey. <laughs> we do a stage play, honey. So during the official inquiry, the Starfleet Academy brass, namely Admiral 
uh, Medea <laughs> informs Kirk <laughs> that they have received evidence that Kirk entered a subroutine into the computer, making it possible for him to win in the simulation, and they accuse him of cheating. And Kirk is like, did you just call me a sub? <laughs> and they're like, like the sandwich. And he's like, oh, what? <laughs> uh, so while Kirk faces his accuser, who is in fact Spock, who is the one who uh, was in charge of like running the simulation routine thing. Which is Kobe weird because it, it, like you already see where it's it, a like, pre-programmed thing. How do you have someone running it? What are you talking about? And also it means like, uh, like, Spock did Spock did this instead of like serving with Pike. Right. <laughs> he decided to be like an instructor. That's a good point. Yeah, in the Kelvin universe, he just decides to like program tests instead yeah. of like go and help out Pike, which is a weird decision. Yeah, cuz at this point like it I don't think I'm not sure if it's established or not if him and Pike already already cuz he is like starts off as Pike's like like first officer. Mm-hmm. Um when they get going. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm a little not, bit later. I'm, un, I'm unsure if that was going on already. I don't know. It's not clear. Know. Yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> um, so um, <clears throat> so uh, when Kirk faces his accuser, who's Spock, he tries to defend himself, and the hearing is suddenly interrupted when the committee is formed that the Federation has received a distress call from Vulcan, Spock's home planet, with the primary fleet occupied in the Laurentian system. Um, Starfleet is forced to commission the Academy cadets and dispatch ships immediately to begin a rescue mission. So they're, they're, they're making the cadets all kind of ensigns automatically here. Yeah. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a wise idea. That's (laughs) going to go, that's going to go pretty well. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny how fast everyone gets promoted to their normal position. Very, very fast in this movie. Yeah. And I mean, how many years are they into Academy here at this point? Did it even say, I didn't pick up on that. Unclear. I'm assuming it was a year or two. Yeah. It's not, I mean, I I feel like they're not on their last year. I don't think they graduated yet. Right. I mean, definitely not graduated because yeah. they're still doing the trials like the Kobayashi and shit. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're still they're still t- going to school, which is be kind of weird because, like, yeah, I mean, how old is Carl Urban? <laughs> like, well, he's, the, well th- that's the thing, though. He's a doctor. Oh, yeah. And you got to remember doctors are at least four years ahead of everybody else, which is why, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, fucking Bashir went to Starfleet Academy with... Uh, fucking Wesley Crusher, which is a crazy idea, but I believe that's canon. Wait, what? You heard me correctly. <laughs> because uh, fucking Bashir comes onto DS9 oh, like wait, yeah, fresh right. out of Starfleet. No, yeah, you're right. They are like the same age. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's super weird to think about. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, they're they're near the same age. Uh, Bashir's a little older. He's like mm-hmm. four years older, mm. but because he's a doctor, he's in academy like four mm. years later because he's gone to medical school first. Okay. Instead of going in at like 18, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, doctors do go in later. And so that does make sense. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, you know, you can become a recruit whenever. It doesn't have to be when you're 18. Yeah, that's true. And also, you know, sometimes people do go into the military or whatever is like a midlife crisis. And him, <laughs> him just. Uh, yeah, I think you're allowed to join up to age 35 or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah now it depends on the branch of the military. I think you're allowed to. Uh, join up to 39 mm. in the air force and all of the reserves at Jesus. least i think the reserves, some of them i think the army reserve takes you up to like 49 or something yeah but you know what 
Mm-hmm. You shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one weekend a month, two weeks a year, uh, one life in a foreign country. That's all you have to give. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> it's like it's, it's so funny that like they had the National Guard uh, and then like post 9-11, they deployed like a quarter of the entire <clears throat> National Guard mm-hmm. to either Iraq or Afghanistan, neither of which is guarding our n- nation. <laughs> Like citizen soldier. Yeah, it's it's remember, so remember that fucked kid, up. Remember that kid rock song that played. In I do, <laughs> do the one he made for the army. Yeah, yeah I played it before every single movie. movie yeah, 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 for like a year. Oh my god, that was insane. I th- I feel like awful. I actually stopped going to movies for a while <laughs> because know. of that. I know. Like I remember. Like I like I used to I I used to like go to movies very early and then like and, uh, after having just a couple of those mm-hmm. like citizen soldier ads, I was just like I should go in a little later. So, so we as a society really need to make a bigger point of calling out everyone responsible for the Iraq and Afghanistan war. That includes Kid Rock. That includes Kid Rock. (laughs) That includes the fucking people who worked for these movie theaters who are like, yeah, let's put a thing about uh, like pro-military while our military is busy killing half of a million citizens, non-combatant citizens overseas. Mm. Like, oh my God. It, like it's it's a war crime. We did war crimes, and we did advertisements for these war crimes before every movie. Mm-hmm. It's insane, <laughs> and like people don't like conceptualize it that way. But like, if you you know take take any other group of people that has killed half a million people, like I, uh, you know, fucking um, Boko Haram. If you put a Boko Haram commercial <laughs> before a movie, people would go fucking insane because they're doing war crimes and it'd be fucking insane we live in the starship troopers universe we do we do we live (laughs) i mean yeah like paul verhoven are you going to be a good citizen are you a citizen soldier like it is it is baffling disturbing sad but also pretty cool how paul verhoven is basically just nostradamus yeah he's just like yeah, everything's going to get worse, and I'm going to make a funny movie about it. And then he does, and everyone's like, hey, this is a funny movie about how cool everything is. And he's like, no, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I guess things are already worse. That yeah, makes sense. I love Paul Verhoeven. He just has yeah. movies that are either, like, incredibly violent, biting social satire, or incredibly horny. That's that's his wheelhouse. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have one of those three. All of his movies are those three things. That's true. Every single one of them has components. I mean, yeah, yeah. Every single one of them. Yeah. yeah like I was like, that's, is RoboCop horny? And I'm like, no, RoboCop's definitely horny. Oh yeah, it, it does have. Some it it does have some parts. horny. The the sequels have more horny. But yeah. 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 For sure. Anyway, um, back to a movie that's not as good as RoboCop. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> RoboCop is a perfect movie. It's really fucking good. Like, yeah. uh, oh, Paul Tippett's practical effects mm-hmm. are like dated as fuck, mm-hmm. but trust me, they rule. The but, melt the the dude that melts like has always stayed with me. <laughs> the dude that melts is really cool. Like the fucking mechs at the end oh, that he yeah. has to fight are so cool. And they're they're all stop motion and it's like dated and weird, but it's got like this aesthetic that is really fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it has Jellico in it. It does have Jellico. And Peter Weller is in the next um Star Trek movie. That's true. And uh, it's also the the main villain, uh, what's his face, was a captain on oh, or yeah. an admiral on Star Trek. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, he, and he was he was also like the the 
Yeah, he played multiple roles. He was also oh. like in Voyager. He was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So we've got a he rocks. Yeah, yeah. We've got a whole bunch of Paul Verhoeven all over Star Trek. <laughs> Go watch Paul Verhoeven. Yes, Anything and the horny nun movie is pretty good too. I haven't seen that one yet. It's good. Nice and horny. We love it. <laughs> um. So, excuse me. I'm gonna burp here. There we go. So, cadets are assigned to ships based on their aptitude, with the most capable cadets being assigned to the USS Enterprise, a ship completed so recently it hasn't even been christened yet. Mm. I like that they're still christening, christening <laughs> ships yeah. in, in a non-religious future. I mean, they've done that in the in the previous TOS movies. They have. Yeah, and also like, uh, also like the. Uh, in the TNG movies, Chris and it, remember it shows like the Chateau Picard. I mean, like in in like Middle Eastern countries, do they a law ships a Lostin? Oh, maybe Mohammedine. Ma- <laughs> I don't. Mahajadine. I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Vikings. I'm sure did some weird shit to their ships. They did a lot of weird shit to a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you heard Viking metal, they do dumb shit to to like metal music. music. Yeah. <laughs> They commit crimes against like, music. What if we took death metal and just made it really slow and uh, about Vikings and boring? Like, remember there was like a hot period, like early 2000s, 2010s, where there were people were just coming up with like the dumbest fucking genres of metal, like yeah. pirate metal. Oh, Alestorm is pirate yeah. metal. The thing is, there is a good pirate metal band from mm. the late 80s called Running Wild, mm. but they're pirate thrash. Okay. And they're like, and they're actually like, they sound piratey. Okay. Like and but you know they're they're from like the, the you know the nineties. Yeah. And so yeah. they were unique and not like a gimmick really. Yeah. I mean I, they were, but in the nineties before yeah. it was just a thing to make a gimmick metal band <laughs> about like your your favorite fucking fantasy culture. <laughs> yeah. It's like after I feel like after like Running Wild and Blind Guardian, I'm like, all right, you got the pirate metal band, mm-hmm. you got the fucking Lord of the Rings metal band. We don't really need that much more. No. And then people are like, uh, yeah, but let's make the historically accurate Viking metal band. <laughs> yeah. Because that's exactly what everybody wants in their music is more accurate history. It's appealing to, like, all, like, the dudes that, like, live in their parents' garage. <laughs> right. And, like, and, Guys and who think, like, Band of Brothers is the greatest artistic thing ever made. Yeah. They just, like, yeah, like, all, all the... All the all the uh, pizza delivery guys out there. <laughs> yeah, all the pizza <laughs> delivery guys with multiple near necklaces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, um, Ahura, Ahura, as she calls herself, is originally assigned to the USS Farragut, uh, but complains directly to Spock, citing her numerous commendations and recommendations insisting that he uh she has earned an assignment on the enterprise and spock is like i uh figured it would uh show favoritism if i assigned you there and she's Mm -hmm. like i deserve it do it or i will twist your balls off (laughs) and he's like uh jokes on you that's my fetish get on the farragon no but uh he corrects the oversight and assigns her to the enterprise kirk has been uh Kirk has not been assigned to a ship, and he asks the guy why, and he's like, you are not allowed um, pending academic suspension. So apparently he was suspended for the Kobayashi Maru incident. However, uh, McCoy's with him, 
and uh, goes up to the Enterprise entrance and, uh, well, actually, before that, he's like, come with me, Jim. And he takes him to the med bay, where he injects him with a vaccine against Milvarian mud fleas that will make him so uh, temp- so temporarily ill that... Um, as a doctor refusing to abandon his patient, he will have an official reason to take him along on the mission or anywhere with him, basically, <laughs> which is a, a pretty fun little idea. That was a weird gambit because then they could just be like, well, okay, well, then you stay. Yeah, right. Like, we're, we're not taking an infected person. You need to quarantine. He's not, he's not the head medical guy yet. Right, exactly, which is a weird thing. So, yeah. so this is a weird gambit, but I kind of like how they wrote it. Yeah, it, it it's, was, a, it's a fun, it's a fun like thing. Also, it's a fun that, thing for for McCoy to do. And, and that's the thing is like I will I've several times in this film I'm like that's dumb, but it's fun enough to where I'm like okay whatever. It's fine. Yeah, it has it ha- it serves it serves a fun scenario and yeah, yeah you get to see you get to have Chris Pine do a bunch of gross looked really gross and yeah and, and once again I will excuse a lot of things as long as I'm a having fun. B, you make me laugh. Like, honestly, that's a big thing about, like, the Picard finale is it made me laugh more during that single episode Mm -hmm. than I did at any other, uh, than all of the episodes put together. Oh, yeah. Like, had some good lines. And so did Frakes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Frakes, I was going to say, those two. comedy duo. And and, uh, Brent Spiner had some really good lines. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I hope we die fast. (laughs) Yeah, that was was sick as hell. That was funny as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, um, yeah, and I think Metallus kind of knew that. He's like, I'm going to put all my best jokes at the very end. Mm-hmm. And he did. And yeah. uh, you know what? Good gambit. Yeah. Good gambit. Cause we love silly Trek. We do. Like, Tre- Trek is definitely its best when it's serious, but it has comic relief. Yeah. Just like how Pussy's supposed to be a little bit stank, the Trek's supposed to be a little bit silly. That's bacterial vaginosis. No, it's not. Oh, what? Yeah, sorry, buddy. Oh. Get that checked out. Um, <laughs> That's why my mouth is red. <laughs> Better red than dead. <laughs> so, uh, uh, McCoy, um, uh, so the Enterprise, uh, they get fucking Kirk on the ship doing that medical gambit. It's kind of dumb, but mm-hmm. it's fun enough to where I'm like, all right, this, this works. Uh, so the Enterprise leaves Starbase 1 for Vulcan. And after a slight delay caused by the backup helmsman, Sulu, for getting to disengage the parking brake uh, before jumping the Enterprise into warp. And uh, one thing I should point out here is I don't think you can warp that close to anything. No. Which is why if you're near a starbase or a planet, you always take it out like outside the of the solar system, system yeah. in impulse speed because you can fuck up a lot of stuff going to warp around things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't know about that, but whatever. <laughs> So, Pike orders the Enterprise's very young navigator, Ensign Pavel Chekhov, who is 17, mm-hmm. to make a ship-wide mission broadcast. Chekhov announces that the crew's orders are to investigate seismic disturbances and aid in evacuation of Vulcan, if necessary. After hearing Chekhov's announcement, uh, Kirk suddenly realizes that the lightning storm is exactly the same occurrence that the Kelvin encountered about two decades earlier, when his daddy died. <laughs> Realizing that they are running straight into a trap, Kirk rushes through the ship to Ahura despite suffering a bad reaction to the vaccine McCoy gave him that makes his hands really big. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really, like, it's a fun scene when he, like, has the bad reaction. Mm-hmm. Especially Bones, because, like, Pike, um, um, 
Christopher, or sorry, uh, uh, Christopher Pine, who plays Kirk, I want to say Pike, um, is like really funny here, and like yeah. his hands blow up real big. But like Bones's reaction to it, he's like, <laughs> "Good God, Pan!" <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's so he plays Bones so well, but also gives just enough of his own thing to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like he is so, so believable as Bones because like he broadcasts that kind of like grumpy Kurt energy, yeah, which is really good. Uh, and I, I gotta say, the casting for this film flawless oh yeah it's awesome everyone is cast perfectly mm-hmm. i think everyone is good at their part everyone is good at playing the person they're supposed to play mm-hmm. while also bringing something new to the role mm-hmm. um pine amazing choice for for fucking uh fucking kirk oh, like yeah. like the best choice you could have possibly made probably yeah and really like also like for all the other characters you know like you know, Chekhov, Yuhura, mm-hmm. uh Scotty. Oh yeah, like, Zoe Saldana is great as a horror. Yeah, and, and they're and in the original TOS films, they're kind of pushed to the wayside. They were, but this is definitely an ensemble <laughs> film. And mm. although it almost certainly focuses mostly on Spock and Kirk in this yeah, film, yeah, the holy tri- yeah, the holy trio. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't even focus a ton on Bones in this film. No. Bones, Bones is in the film a lot but he's always just trailing behind yeah, Kirk. he starts he starts off as the initial best friend yeah yeah spock he's he, shows yeah up. he's he's the buddy <laughs> and then like spock is like more important and mm-hmm. then spock is also the buddy yeah but uh you know he, and he goes through a couple things i feel like the third film has by far the most bones the yeah. third the fir- third film has a ton of bones and a ton of scotty and i th- i mean that's obviously yeah scotty, yeah, scotty gets to be best friends with um the girl with the weird alien girl right and and that's all because fucking uh scotty the guy who played scotty wrote the third film yeah simon pegg yeah yeah simon pegg so and that was a great choice because simon pegg's a great writer it was the funniest of the three films by far the it's actually my favorite of the kelvin universe films mm-hmm interesting i know a lot of people who think that and it's like mm-hmm. it's it's good action and um you know it, it is basically like a star trek fast and furious film which is yeah. interesting yeah i didn't i didn't initially watch it because like i hated the uh, the second film so much i was just like i'm not interested <laughs> and i, I mean it's watching it, honestly like, it, it is like the second film but it's like it executed well yeah because the second film is definitely like more action than the first film as well mm-hmm. a little less intrigue a little more action uh, actually, I don't know. There's a lot of intrigue in the second one that sucks with the whole reveal that was <laughs> fucking ruined already. For yeah, everybody. I know. Like, and it was like you knew, like, yeah, because JJ was like, it's not Khan. You're like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> it's dipshit. Con. Yeah, <laughs> I I hate when like fucking yeah fucking creators like give half answers that are actually just kind of lies. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yuck. No one <laughs> likes that. It's like if you if you can't do that, just stay off the internet for a while until your stuff is released. <laughs> Plus, casting, yeah, a British man to be like a character that's supposed to be Indian. <laughs> it's like I feel that's a, that's like a whole statement right there. Yeah, I mean Ricardo Montalban was what like Spanish probably. Yeah, he's, yeah Mexican. Yeah. Oh, okay, Mexican. Okay, Mexican's a little. Well, that's indigenous. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um. So Pike orders the Enterprise's navigator to make the uh, announcement, and he announces they're going to Vulcan. So after Chekhov's announcement, Kirk suddenly realized that the lightning storm... Oh, we already went through all that, didn't Mm -hmm. we? So uh, despite his initial difficulty to communicate uh, coherently because of the vaccine, Kirk finally manages to ask Ahura about the Klingon distress call she had deciphered earlier, and she confirms that the attackers were, in fact, Romulan. So he's putting his case together here, so... 
He's convincing them that they're walking into a trap. So at Vulcan, the Narada has lowered a drilling platform. So this is, um, you know, remember the movie Armageddon? Yeah, I love that movie. Well, right. <laughs> so, did you, so you know it's easier to make um, drillers astronauts than the other way around, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like I, I love that. That is the most, the most one of the most insane aspects of the movie. But mm-hmm. you know, it's supposed to be stupid. You know, it's a soundtrack by Aerosmith. Like, yeah, yeah of course you're gonna send like a guy that's like 200 pounds overweight. Uh, um, uh, like uh, what's his face? Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck and like a bunch of people with yeah. Uh, I can't even think of his name right Bruce now. Bruce Willis. No, uh, creepy guy, big eyes. Steve Buscemi. Oh, yeah, I was going to say um, Patrick Hoey. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. You like, don't have very big eyes. Though. Very, I have very beady eyes. <laughs> mm. That's what my grandpa used to call George W. Bush's old beady eyes. Old beady eyes. Old beady eyes. I mean, he did have beady eyes. He does have beady eyes. Very shifty beady eyes. So, if Vulcan the Narada has lowered a drilling platform, which is boring in the planet, and boring to me, am I right? Hey! So, Ayel notifies Nero that seven Starfleet vessels are approaching. Kirk rushes to the bridge to inform Captain Pike. Pike and Spock, though initially quite skeptical of his whole theory of a trap, are convinced after Ahura confirms Kirk's suspicions. As they disengage warp drive, the Enterprise finds itself in a debris field of the other seven Starfleet ships, which arrived shortly before they did. <laughs> which you figure they should have been able to send somehow before this, but all right. Yeah. Or someone should have sent out a distress call like, hey, don't, don't come. Yeah, you think, yeah, no one had, so, like, which ships were destroyed? Uh, the, I think the other ones that they sent, like, before that, like, so the So Orion girl's dead? I think so. Damn. I think, like, yeah, I think maybe everyone else is dead that it showed, basically. Wow, that's sad. So Ahura would have died if she uh, mm. wouldn't, have, wouldn't have gone on her ship. So it's basic, it's it's an elitist thing here, too. It's like, all but the people who tested the highest are dead now. <laughs> oh, cool. That's that, that's some very neoliberal meritocracy <laughs> stuff. We love that, huh? Yeah, it happened. It, ha- it was a complete. Oops. It was a complete accident. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta thin the herd. Mm. Gotta erase the weak. <laughs> my name is Eugenics Roddenberry. <laughs> yeah. Actually, and this the, is my vision. Actually, the elders didn't even get on ships. They just like pop, they just like lined in and they just had one of those like cattle killer things <laughs> <They're just laughs> with like, a pneumatic bolt. Yeah, just, just put, put in the back of their head. neck. Just put a pneumatic bolt in their head. Shunk. Just put put them right in the uh, soylent green machine. Yeah. <laughs> well, get a, hopefully get a better crop next year. <laughs> so, at the direction of Pike, Sulu is able to navigate his way through the debris with minimal damage. As they clear the debris, they come upon the Narada drilling above Vulcan's atmosphere. The Narada attacks the Enterprise, which takes heavy damage immediately. But just as they're about to fire again, Nero realizes which ship he's firing on and orders a ceasefire. He hails the Enterprise and uh, casually identifies himself. And this is actually funny in a weird, unsettling way Mm -hmm. because it's like super casual. Yeah. He's like, hello, Nero. And it's like, what? What's going on? Uh So Pike, uh, seeing a Romulan, accuses him of an act of war and offers to reach some kind of negotiation or settlement. 
But Nero states he stands apart from the Romulan star empire and has no uh, jurisdiction with them. He openly greets a confused Spock and orders Pike to come aboard via shuttlecraft. Pike asks if there are any advanced hand-to-hand combat trained officers on the bridge. And uh, Sulu is like, I am. And he's like, cool, you're coming with me. Uh, you too, Spock, and also Kirk, since you're not even supposed to be here. <laughs> Why would you bring the guy who's not supposed to be there? Like, I mean, I, I think he's almost like suggesting like, you're expendable. You're not even on the records. I think he has like high expectations for him. Yeah, uh, I think he has the same expectations of him that he has of his dad. Yeah. He's going to sacrifice himself. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, as he said, like, uh, your dad saved 800 people in 12 minutes. Can you do better? Mm-hmm. So he's literally, like, challenging him to die for more people faster. Oh, yeah, he's going to use him as a human shield. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> can you die for 1,200 people in five minutes? I bet you can't. All right, Cadet Kirk, you just stand right in front of me. All right, perfect, perfect. <laughs> Here's a. You ever worn a. You ever worn a mask before? I know this one looks a lot like my face, but. And I know they just asked me to come over there. I'm not. I'm not fooling you, son. Right? You're a smart kid, right? Or how about this wig of gray hair <laughs> and my uniform? Yeah, that looks great on you. No, trust me, it's real cold over on that ship. You're gonna want a hat. No, it's not a wig. It's just. I, I know it looks like a wig, but it's not a wig. <laughs> All right. Well, how about this hat that says "I am the captain"? All right. I am Captain Pike. <laughs> how about this? How about this shirt? It says, "Go climb a rock." <laughs> Little fingers and toes, tiny crevices. Dick fingers. Dick fingers. <laughs> um, so uh, Pike promotes Spock to captain and puts him in charge of the Enterprise. He also commissions Kirk as first officer. And Spock is like, I am not familiar with uh, practical jokes. And he's like, it's not a practical joke. I just made a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> So Pike outlines his plan to do two things at once. On a shuttle en route to the Narada, he will drop Kirk, Sulu, and Chief Engineer Olsen into an orbital skydive. They will land on Narada's drill platform and disable it in order to contact Starfleet. Since the drill has disabled communications and transporter capabilities. It's an interesting number of things for one drill to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. They really thought it of everything for this drill, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, it's a giant ship. Why not have the drill do everything? It's a big drill. Yeah. It's like a drill on um, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, the woke... What, what's his name now? I don't, I don't know. Well, now he's on the bl- damn Blue Sky. He gets uh, yeah. to be on Blue Sky, I don't. <laughs> Why don't you just ask someone for a, a I don't invitation? Know. Yeah, should. I can ask for... I can I can get most things I want on the internet now yeah, with, yeah. with my reach. <laughs> Except for the reach around. Oh, yeah. Can't get that. No, no. matter how hard I reach. <laughs> no matter how hard you try. One thing. I don't know why. <laughs> Doesn't even matter how. <laughs> I don't think that's a Crawling right song. in my hand. This reach around. <laughs> Penises aren't supposed to crawl. What? Patrick. Wait. Huh? No, you, you just... You just have a family of uh, caterpillars living under your balls. <laughs> <laughs> what about retractable jaws? Mm, what, are you talking like a xenomorph kind of yeah, thing? Uh, do, let, theoretically, 
Theoretically. Let's just say penises also have like long, uh, long tusks. Uh huh. Like made of sort of like a bone, like a, a like a translucent bone. So so you know <laughs> you know the um, Fleetwood Mac song Tusk. Uh huh. This is exactly what that's about. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I mean I think Mick Fleetwood has this problem. Mm. So maybe hit him up. Also Mick Fleetwood, also on uh, Star Trek. Really? Next Generation. Yeah. Was he? Mm-hmm. He certainly was. He was a guest star a couple times. Mm. Yep. Oh wait, was he the quiet guy? No, are you talking the Luxwana's page or he, he was he was he's a tall bald guy who's not Luxwana oh. his page. Okay. Yeah, he's he's in an episode doing mm. something. I don't remember. Um but he's definitely in there. Mm. So <clears throat> the um, Luxwana's page is the guy who the 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 fireman from um Twin Peaks. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um Pike arrives on the Narada is uh, the three whose Kirk Sulu and chief engineer Olson began their descent. And despite, uh, so the descent's pretty cool. It's a cool scene. Uh, thankfully they don't do a ton of, you know, music through it. And it's just like the wind rushing against them. And, uh, Olson doesn't deploy his parachute in time, <laughs> despite, uh, Kirk telling him to. And, uh, he like falls off the platform <laughs> And the platform has like a booster, and he falls into the flame. And is just like vaporized immediately. Yeah, immediately. Like he's he's turned into a dab hit. And mm. It's uh pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool though. Yeah. Um. So despite the immediate death of Olson, Kirk and Sulu eventually manage to fire on the drill and disable it. Good job, boys. A Narada crewman reports the drill's incapacitation, but tells Nero that the drill reached Vulcan's core before going offline. Nero orders the launch of the Red Matter, which is dropped from the ship down the hole and explodes in the planet's core, which is similar to what happens when you have gonorrhea and you do a cream pie. (laughs) Trust me. Chekhov discovers what the red matter is doing. Yeah, your semen's red when you have really bad gonorrhea. Trust me, it's not good stuff. <laughs> so uh, the red matter creates a black hole in the middle of a planet, the, the planet, Vulcan. And uh, Vulcan will be destroyed in a matter of minutes. Spock leaps up from his chair, ordering the Enterprise uh, on the bridge of the Enterprise, ordering the Enterprise to signal an evacuation of the entire planet of Vulcan. Well, he himself hurries to the transporter room to beam down and evacuate the Vulcan Council, which includes his mom and pop. (laughs) Mom and dad. Uh, So Kirk signals the Enterprise to beam him back up and Sulu uh, as well. At the same time, um, and at that exact moment, uh, when Nero orders the Narada to retract the drill and leave orbit, the jolt when doing so causes Sulu to fall off the drill platform without a parachute. Kirk leaps from the platform into a controlled dive and grabs Sulu before releasing his own chute. Mm-hmm. It's pretty tense, pretty intense. Uh, unfortunately the drag is too powerful. And so they both join a drag brunch. <laughs> uh, no, the, the drag is too powerful and Kirk's harness tears loose. Mm. Uh, 
Kirk frantically signals the Enterprise to beam them up before they die, but the transport chief cannot lock onto them while they are moving that fast. Chekhov, however, can, and rushes to the transporter room, creating a pinpoint beam that snatches Kirk and Sulu aboard just mere moments before they hit the surface Mm -hmm. and turn into (laughs) Jell-O. Uhura comforts Spock after the loss of Vulcan. And uh, his... Uh, wait. I think you skipped ahead of there. Yeah, I did a little bit. So, uh, mm, so Uhura comforts Spock uh, and his mother right after Kirk and Sulu are beamed back aboard. No, I did skip ahead. Sorry, I got this out of order. So Spock beams down onto Vulcan, and two of the elders in the council uh, are killed by falling rocks and statues mm-hmm. while they're there. But Spock is able to get five of them outside. And he's like, we need to go. The planet's blowing up, motherfuckers. Including his mommy and dad. He does get his mom and dad. And uh, as the transporter is about to pick them up, the rock his mother is standing on collapses, causing the transporter to miss her. As they rematerialize on board the Enterprise, Spock stands on the transporter pad in shock, having lost his mommy, with his hand still reached out to her, trying to save her. The Enterprise crew retreats and watches in horror as Vulcan implodes into oblivion. Uhura comforts Spock after the loss of his mother. And right after Kirk and Sulu are beamed back aboard, Spock tells Kirk that he's beaming down. Oh, no, we are. Okay, I I just wrote a bunch of this out of order. So, fuck it. You know what? Uh, This is a terrible place to leave as a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we're going to do. (laughs) So if you don't want dumb cliffhangers like this, you want to hear the full episode? Go to patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. That's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. And listen to the rest of it. Later, haters. <laughs> <laughs>